New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. Our souls want a connection to the great mystery, and the day is coming when science will more readily accept the reality of mystical experience. Can quantum physics provide evidence of the existence of the divine? What is soul, and how can we get to know it more deeply? Why do our guests describe the era in which we are now living as the age of surprise? We'll be exploring the answers to these and many other questions with our guests, William Arntz and Deidre Hayde. William Arntz is a physicist and filmmaker and creator of the film, What the Bleep Do We Know? Deidre Hayde is a modern-day mystic, poet, and visionary leader in the ancient arts of the wisdom traditions and creator of The Radiance Journey, a path to mystical knowledge that unites the magical with the material. Together, William Arntz and Deidre Hayde, a husband and wife team, explore how science merges with mystical prophecy to help us navigate the upheaval and ever-changing surprises in these postmodern times. They are co-creators of the book, The Not-So-Little Book of Surprises, with the award-winning photography of Andre Balog, which is a feast of mystical insights and poetry with breathtaking photographs. Join us for the next hour as we explore a mystical map for inner awakening with our guest, the mystic Deidre Hayde and the physicist William Arntz. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Deidre, William, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. It's a pleasure Mm. to have you. I would love to have you tell a little of your story to begin with for our listeners. And William, I'd like to start with you. You started off as a laser physicist. Tell us a little bit of your background. a laser physicist. I got out of college and I was hired to work on what was to become the Star Wars program. But this was way Not before... Not the movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was the things that were really supposed to work. And uh, that, of that course... Ronald, Reagan. Yeah. Well, President. he called it Star Wars, but I started working on it eight years before Reagan. That's when we started working on it. And that the idea was to take a huge laser, put it in an airplane, fly it up real high and melt Russian missiles out of the sky. So I developed the wave optic simulators in order to predict what the lasers would actually do. So that was a pretty ambitious project. And then 
then you moved on to other projects after that. Can you say something about that? Well, after that, um, I started doing computers to basically pay the bills. And eventually, I wrote a system software called Autosys that Fortune 500 companies are using around the world now. Um, I sold that company off, and then I did a second one, and I sold that off. And that at that point, I um, retired, and I figured, okay, now I'm just going to watch the clouds roll through. But I got this funny little notion to make a film. And it started off as just a small little documentary about some of the parallels between physics and spirituality, because I've been studying spirituality for many years at that point. And it started as just a little, I called it a dinky little documentary, and I got carried away and eventually spent millions of dollars for my hard-earned software companies and made What the Bleep Do We Know? And the idea was to get it in movie theaters around the world, and it actually did. So, and is that film still available, like on DVD or Netflix or something like that? Yeah, you can get it on DVD. It was on Netflix for a while, then it's not, then they're going to put it back on. So it's mm -hmm. it's out there electronically. Right, and it's still very, very fascinating with great interviews. I think some of our listeners have checked it out. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank My pleasure. You. And Deirdre, let's, let's talk about your background. You are a mystic. Um, let's just talk about maybe an early instance in your life that started you off in this whole path. Can you say something about your background? Yes, thank you. And uh, yes, I am a mystic. I took a lifetime to figure out what I was. Um, and I'm very grateful for that now, Justine. But I, uh, my first memory of a mystical experience, of a phenomenon, of a greater reality. I was actually three years old, very young. And at that time, I truly believed that everything was alive. The rocks, the trees, the ocean, the clouds, every thing in nature, the birds were part of my family. I did not understand nature to be non-human. Uh, I didn't give, uh, like my parents were more important than the tree. Um, as a matter of fact, there was a, a pine tree that was a huge pine tree where we used to go camping that told me he was my grandfather. And I would go visit him every day to say, good morning. Hi, granddad. And one morning I was standing in front of my grandfather pine tree when a cloud opened up uh, way up in his branches. And I saw in this cloud a pickup truck run over our family tent where my baby brother, who was two months old, was sleeping. I immediately ran. I didn't think, do I run, do I not run? I just ran up the hill all the way. Uh, it was on an incline up to where our tent was. And you're, you're like three, three years, years old. Three years old. Your little legs are very just... Very little, <laughs> yes. And it was very hard to run. I remember panting and being... Uh, terrified I wasn't going to get to this tent in time. And I got in the tent. The cot was up to my shoulders, and my brother was huge. And I remembered my parents saying, don't drop your brother. Never hold your brother by yourself. But I knew I had to get him out of the tent. I picked him up, and I ran out of, the, of our tent. Just as I ran out, a pickup truck ran over the tent. It rolled down the hill and crashed into the tree, my grandfather pine tree, where I had been standing. 
I heard uh, my mother and father screaming at the top of their lungs. And it wasn't until the dust settled that they saw me standing there. They ran over, they picked us up into their arms, and they kept saying, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? And my father, who's a research scientist from the University of Chicago, uh, atheist, blurted out, you know, this is a miracle. It's a miracle. I remember wanting to tell them how I knew to get my brother, but I couldn't speak English, and my words were coming out very fast, very passionately, and they were looking at me perplexed, and they kept saying, I think she's trying to tell us something. Uh, Deirdre, use your words, use your words. <laughs> and I got so angry because I was, I'm using my words, um, but your words are too slow and cumbersome. You need to just know how to speak my language. Um, later on, I was able to use my words and tell them what happened. And to this day, that story is family lore and our story. Everybody knows it, we grew, and we grew up with it. Wow. That was my first uh, experience of uh, a greater reality. So what I'm struck by in that story, Didra, is that you got a message and you acted on it. Yes. Now, that's kind of phenomenal, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think that we get messages all the time. In fact, that that reminds me. I'm I'm going to read something yes. from your book. This this gorgeous, gorgeous book that you you both have put together. I'm going to call it Illuminations because mm -hmm. it has to do with Illuminations. And that was my question to you: Is how many Illuminations have you had that you didn't take in, and you and were wasted? Just think about that for a minute. Do you think there were illuminations, true prophetic experiences for you that came to you and you did not open to them? You walked right by? Well, the answer is yes. You've had a few. <laughs> and I, I, I love that because I think that we all, you know, wow. What advice do the two of you have for us to recognize an illumination? Like, how do we know it's the voice of God or spirit or that great mystery or, or just, you know, just babble? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to tell yourself, yes, these things happen to me. Because so many people walk around, oh, I'm not psychic, oh, no one ever talks to me, the angels never talk to me, oh, I'm not worthy. People have all their excuses. The first thing you got to do is you got to say, oh, yes, those do happen to me. There have been, that's why the quotes in the book, people read that, they go, oh, wow, they're right, I have had those things. And so that's the first thing. And the second thing is when it happens, just pause a moment and acknowledge it. That's the thing is you, when it happens, you're in this illuminated state, but often, you know, oh, gee, the cell phone rings or life happens and you just blow it off. But the thing is, even, even when you know before someone says something, what they're going to say, say to yourself, ah, I'm psychic. I picked that up because by doing that, you're creating the neural pathways. You're creating that part of you that then acknowledges that and lets it in. And that's just. You're just cracking the door a little little wider every time, and at some point it's going to fly open, and who knows what's going to happen. 
That just reminds me to ask you, William, as a scientist, your training is in science. And then you spoke about how, oh, then you studied spirituality. But there's more to that story, uh, how, how a scientist then acknowledges that there is something more going on in the universe than that which we can quantify. Yeah, well, I think part of it, um, what I think part of it is just past life memories came back, awarenesses that I knew from before. And I wasn't, I couldn't put a word on it, but certain things just started making sense that were more than just the physical. And I was just drawn to it. I was curious. I started reading about it. And when I started looking at the reasons why people say, oh, that the spiritual stuff doesn't exist, the materialists say that, you know, I was like, you know, you're just, you're just arguing your assumption. You're saying it doesn't exist, so therefore it doesn't exist. And because it doesn't exist, it couldn't exist, so it doesn't exist. That's kind of what it is. And there's all this phenomena, like I said, the psychic stuff, near-death experiences, people remembering past life. I mean, it goes on and on. There's all of these stories, data points, actually, of non-physical reality happening that scientists don't listen to. And so as a scientist, I try to be a real scientist and say, let's not blow off the data. Um, there's, a, there's a famous... Uh, term in physics. They say, a beautiful theory destroyed by an ugly fact. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes yeah. that happens. And, you know, the uh, but the facts are the facts. So um, the facts eventually just convinced me. I'm here with William Arntz and Deidre Hayde, and they are the co-creators of the Not-So-Little Book of Surprises. If you want to know more about their work, go to the website bookofsurprises.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Deirdre Hayde and William Arndt. So I want to spell their names for you. Deirdre spells her name D-E-I-R-D-R-E, Hayde, H-A-D-E. And William Arntz, A-R-N-T-Z. And they are the co-creators of the Not-So-Little Book of Surprises. I'm just reminded with your stories that we're talking about following our curiosity and how important that is to remain curious, especially in these times of 
mystical revelations. So is there anything that you want to say about curiosity? Yes. Well, getting back to the story about when I was three and the uh, illuminations have passed you by, quote, from the not-so-little book of surprises, the key is to remain curious the way children are curious. And when you remain curious about life, that doorway of intuition, of knowing, of of being able to be connected to something larger than your everyday small mind, that doorway then, when you need to have that really important piece of information, your doorway will be open for it to come in, such as turn right here, not left, you discover you just avoided a car crash, or don't invest in this, invest in that, and you discover, oh my gosh, I could have lost everything, but I didn't. So having this doorway open is a tangible, practical uh, part of who we are that developed during evolution for our survival so that we connect into a larger story. So we are protected. We can live a good life. Uh, We can know uh, what's coming and where to go. Is there a fire on the other side of the mountain? Um, Is there a flood coming? You'd better leave. And we all have this. And I want to, my clarion call is go into this, go into that curiosity so that your own inner voice of knowing has access to your you know, ego ears. You know, I'm reminded of your own story, Deidre. I know that you have written or I've read some of your background, and you were in Memphis, Tennessee. Yes. Your family, they were mostly atheistic. Yes, all of them. But part of your social (laughs) life was to go to Mm. some gospel churches. Right. And so I want to ask you... um, because and I understand that because part of my background is a bit like that. Mm-hmm. And what it is, what was that mechanism? So many of us then get enamored of something like like let's say a gospel church mm-hmm. or a certain religion mm-hmm. or a certain tradition. And then we we set up our tent there and we hunker down there and that's where where we live. We build our house and we put our fences around us and, and there we are. So what is it that moved you on from that, appreciating that and the gifts that you got with that, but you continued on your journey? Well, yes. Um, really clearly the reason is that... Um, my uh, my father, the scientist, uh, now working at St. Jude in research science, uh, truly believed that um, science was the new god and all religion was superstition and that we were going to find all the answers we needed through science. And I um, argued with him on this case, and I just didn't believe him. I just didn't believe him, and I thought he was short-sighted and closed-minded, and um, I told him that all the time. But uh, when I was um, 16, science was tested because um, my father came to us one day. I I had just turned 16. My brothers were 13 and 10, and he said, "Uh, I have to take your mother to the hospital, and uh, we'll be back 
she may have to stay overnight, but we'll be right back. I say goodbye to my mother. I'll see you tomorrow. And uh, day went by, two days, five days, a week, two weeks. I mean, it may have even been three weeks. It was a long time. And I kept, we kept saying, well, where's mom? Where's mom? And my dad said, oh, don't ask. Don't ask. Um, this was back in the day, of course, when um, cancer was taboo. You just didn't talk about it. Then the day came, my father said, your mother's coming home. Uh, he brought her home, and we were in shock. He um, took her, carried her from the car, put her in a wheelchair, brought her in. And uh, I'll never forget, my mother's uh, eyes looked vacant. Uh, she was shriveled up. She was a big woman. She was German, tall. She was 5'9". She was tiny, and um, she had no breasts. And she was a buxom woman and um, th they had given her a year to live. Uh, so she was very depressed, very sad. Um, and I just knew that my mother had to live. And my father, who is a research scientist in cancer, was, I can't discover how to cure this fast enough. And he was beside himself. So I started sitting with my mother at night, and I started praying. Um, I said, well, it can't hurt. And I just prayed and prayed to God. I said, God, um, if there's anything you can do uh, so my mother can live, um, I would be so grateful because I love my mother so much, and we need her. We need her. And I prayed and prayed, and after a time, I mean, I don't really remember how long, but it it, it was pr fairly shortly. Um, one night, late at night, um, I'd fallen asleep with my hands on my mom the way I did many nights. She, I heard, she said, Deirdre, Deirdre, who turned the lights on in the room? And I looked up, and the, there was a light on. The lights were on in the room. I said, well, I don't know, maybe Kirby or Shane came in, or my dad, he'd been sleeping now in a different room, and uh, walked around, and the lights were all off, and we said, oh, my God, the room is full of light, and we see it. And then my mother said, I'm not in any pain. And I said, well, we just have to. Be grateful and, and just keep going with this, whatever it is. I don't know what it is either. And uh, the light kept coming. And the long and short of it is my mother lived 13 years longer than she was given. And the doctor said there was no medical reason for her to be alive. It defied all reason, all science. There was no it was impossible. They didn't know why she was still alive. You know, I, I'm just reminded, and I can't remember the actual scripture, but there is a scripture um, where some saint was talking about, well, or, or God through an angel or something said, well, if you can find 
ten believers or, yes. or three ah. believers, then I'll save this city or something. Right. Do, you, do you recall that? Uh, I do. And Sodom and Gomorrah. Was it Sodom and yeah, Gomorrah? I forget. Yeah, and it was something God says, if you can just find ten just men in the city, I won't, I won't destroy it. Right. And I guess and they didn't find them. I guess they didn't find them. But in this case, there were that faith where were so two or more big, gathered. Where there were two, two or more, more gathered. gathered. Yeah. That faith was so big. And also what you're describing, too, uh, is a, something that I would call um, something that I think the both of you have, which I recognize as a innate spiritual enthusiasm mm, beautiful you, you know what i'm yes. saying that mm-hmm. that it, it's like you know the, your curiosity and your enthusiasm combined together has kept you on a path of exploration and this path of what you call the the Tao of surprises so <laughs> i'd love for you to say something about what you mean by the Tao of surprises well, the Tao of Surprises, <clears throat> let, let me tell you how we stumbled upon it. The, the surprises came to us. It's not like we figured out, oh, we're now in the age of surprise. I was pulling together the quotes from the book from all of Deirdre's transcripts, and I started noticing the ones that I were pulling, the ones that I liked, were surprising because being a mystic, she languages in different ways. She has insights that is just different because she's a different set of eyes looking at things, and a lot of the things were surprising, like that quote you read. is That's surprising. It's like, wow, I had mystical experiences. And so I came up with the title for the book, The Not-So-Little Book of Surprises. And then after I, I did that, I remember my research from Bleep that what happens with a surprise happens in the brain. Dopamine floods the brain. And then suddenly you're in this moment of expanded awareness. You are in an altered state after a surprise. You have to figure out, is something going to, is that gorilla going to come over here and eat me? Or did I just win the lottery? Which, which which is it? So there's that moment of expanded time and awareness. So I said, oh, my God. And then your brain can rewire with neuroplasticity during a, after a surprise. And I said, oh, my God, it's a doorway to transformation. So that's as far as we got in the beginning of the book. And then Deirdre started saying, oh, my God, I think it's more than that. I think we're living in the age of surprise. And boy, oh boy, when she said that, it was like, yeah, have you read the news recently? It's surprising. Exactly. And I think you're making a really, really good point that there is a moment there, a physiological moment that we have an opportunity. It's actually a choice point that we have an opportunity to change a habit right there in that instant I, I know you yes. both have something to say about that. Well, a habit, really, it's a neuro, it's a neuro net in the brain that you. It's like a highway that you go over and over and over. So it's a big super highway that habit. And in order to break the habit, you have to change that neuro net. And that's what I was saying about the neuroplasticity is that when that moment of surprise happens and you you can rewire, basically you can take that habit and you can just change it and rewire your brain in that moment. And it may take you 10 years in therapy to do it, crying about it every other day, or maybe in that one moment, you can just make the switch. Just make the switch. I, I know that one of the things that you uh, 
advice, let's say, that you give to us is um, to have something at the ready. When those moments come, to have something at the ready that we know a, a key, our own personal key yes. to, to, what it, to our gifts, what it is that we know that we, can, we are firmly standing on. I want to talk more about that in just one moment. Okay. But I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with physicist William Arntz and mystic Deirdre Hayde, and they are the co-creators of The Not-So-Little Book of Surprises. And if you want to know more about their work, you can go to their website, bookofsurprises.com or you can get there through the New Dimensions website newdimensions.org I'm Justine Willis-Toms you're listening to New Dimensions I'm here with physicist William Arntz and mystic Deirdre Hayde. And they're a husband and wife team, and they've just combined their expertise and their enthusiasms in such a beautiful way. And we're talking about what we can do. What are the resources that we can use to change those habits we have that are maybe not so uh, constructive? And to move ourselves into a new place um, when a surprise comes. And so we were talking about our core values or those keys. Mm -hmm. Can you say something about those? Yes, absolutely. So when a surprise comes and the neuroplasticity changes in our brain, whether it's a good surprise or a not good surprise, we have an opportunity to... uh, change deep patterns inside of us. And one of the keys that you want to have to to meet a surprise so that you can grow and change patterns that aren't serving you well is to really know right up front and center what your core values and virtues are for you personally. And we know these core values and virtues, like, oh, I think love conquers all, but they tend to stay behind us and kind of in the background. What I'm saying to you is to make this a key for you to have strength and resilience and to meet any surprise and to grow, you want those core values right up front in your frontal lobe directing you. Uh, you know, a core value could be, uh, I, I uh, believe that I uh, am here to uh, help uplift people no matter what. So what that means, that, so that's one of my core values. It's right up front and center. Anything that happens in life, I then will take an action from that virtue. Um, I will be able to stand in resilience. 
I won't get knocked over fully in the wind of change, the age of surprise it's coming. By doing this, what happens, what I've seen in working with thousands of people worldwide uh, to find this deep connection and gather their keys to uh, live an extraordinary life is that we all have good intentions, but when we meet a crisis, our good intentions Where did they go? They don't rise to the surface. And later we look back and say, why did I behave like this? Why did I say this? Why didn't I do what I know to do? And that's because we keep our uh, core virtues and values uh, in a small basement. So what I'm saying to you is you write them down. Sit at home tonight with a piece of paper. Meditate. What are they? Write it down. Get it down to three simple, easy short sentences, and then repeat them every day. Put them on a postcard in your purse. I put them on my refrigerator. Make that your mantra. And then when surprise comes and opportunity comes, whether it's you're standing in the grocery store and, oh, surprise, and trust me, you'll be surprised if this happens, you see an angel, or you're driving down the street and a car pulls in front of you and you have to swerve all of a sudden, to, uh, to save your life, either surprise when you have those core uh, values right in your frontal lobe, the executive functioning center that makes decisions, you will turn that surprise into a phenomenal experience of wisdom. It can save your life and it could also bring you enlightenment right there. I was with you this weekend and mm-hmm. you did a... a- guided visualization or journey yes. uh, with us. And um, I, I tapped into one of my core Great. core values or one of my mm-hmm. keys. And I mentioned it earlier in the program that I think is one of my keys. And that's curiosity. So what you're saying is that, like for me, an antidote to fear or despair which is easy yes. to to tap into these yes. days, both mm-hmm. fear or despair, yeah. um, is to then to call on my value of curiosity Fabulous. and to ask Perfect. a question. Wow, I wonder how this is going to turn out. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, rather than to go, you're laughing, you're laughing, William. What you have some thought on this? Please. Well, just yeah. I mean, when that when I've been hit, like many people have, a lot of surprises recently, and you know, some of them you can go into despair, and and but that I just I was laughing because of that sense of like wonderment. When you go, wow, I never saw that coming ever. <laughs> and just, you know, it's, it's almost like you're kind of laughing at yourself because we all think we can kind of figure out what's going to happen. And then when the surprise comes so outlandish, you know, I think humor, in fact, you know, I have this thing that all humor really comes from surprise. When you think about, think about mm-hmm. everything you laugh about, the punchline. The punchline's a punchline because it hits you because you didn't see it coming. You're you're a sucker punch, right. and so all humor is is a surprise. And so I I, I chuckled with you then because I have that same reaction sometimes. It's so outlandish. You go like, oh my god, I never thought this would happen. And, and that's so great, too, sweetheart. Because the um, 
What I wanted to share was that when you go to curiosity, your core value instead of fear, you just tapped into the wonder and the awe of existence. Um, You've just tapped into a deep well of natural law. And in natural law, there are core uh, principles that hold time and space together. There is a mathematical equation, an architecture to not only the physicality of our reality, but believe it or not, there is an architecture and a mathematics to the unseen reality called consciousness. And when you tap into your core values, you immediately uh, go into a grid system of order, which is can overcome anything that happens because you've just entered a unified field of order. That's what virtue means. Virtue means order. And these values are not to be taken lightly. We don't discuss them enough in our world now, but they are what will give us the strength and power to meet what's coming and to win a big time and have a great life, even with the challenges that are coming. Well, that reminds me of a, another piece in in your book. And this is taking us to that larger reality that we're we're maybe facing in these extraordinary times. I'm going to call them yes. extraordinary times. And and this is about um, a choice point. And here's here's what you revealed in in your book. You say um, you are at a choice point. A choice point. One of the rare times in the incarnation of the human where you choose what the next million years are going to look like. And your generation and the generations of the next 20 years, you are the generation that has been given the duty to choose. That's a big commission. That's a big commission. But you're saying that that we are at a time, at this time of surprises, is, is not just, hey, a la-di-da time, oh, that we can just go off and meditate and, and that's going to be enough. But you're really talking about, I think you use a term, spiritual warfare, yes. uh, that we, we really have to step up to the plate and do our part. So comments? Well, there's, a, there's another quote that actually I would like, maybe I'll, I'll pull out from the book. If I could read it just on that one, and this was one of my... Uh, favorite ones. And it, it has to do with um, what we do in these times, because it is true with these things happening. You know, there are some people think, oh, just it's, it's all just goodness and light. But it's like, no, there has there's points where, you know, we have to take a stand when we see things that aren't, aren't right. Um, and the quote goes like this, your soul is pure. Nothing can touch it. Nothing can harm it. Even if your soul is, as they say, taken by the devil, even if you fall in a chasm of darkness, your soul remains pure. It's redeemable. The soul of the evilest person is redeemable because the soul was made by God. And that is what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemy. It is that you are to love the pure light within the soul of your enemy. 
Nowhere does it say to love the actions of bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so on the one hand, you're you're seeing the light in in people, but you're not just standing by and letting bad things happen to people. You're not just standing by and letting you know evil or destruction happen. So. To me, there's a there's a balance there, and I've seen from years of spiritual practice a lot. Sometimes people will just go, "Oh, we're just going to meditate on the light, and everything will work out." Well, that's nice, but history's kind of shown that it, it doesn't really that. So love love your enemy, but don't say it's okay that they do what they do when it's wrong. And you know, if you, thank you, sweetheart, for reading that. Uh, that's also one of my favorite um, teachings. Is that um, yes, it is important. Oh uh, well, that 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 people do the light work and meditate with goodness and meditate on light. Yes. However, the the, the next step is of course action. Uh, taking whatever action we need to take to protect our environment, take care of our people. But the the other thing on top of that is that's very important uh, to know that when you stop a person from uh, doing something destructive. When you say no, you're not allowed to uh, dam this uh, valley. No, you're not allowed to, uh, you know, put someone in jail without evidence. No, I'm going to say no to whatever is uh, evil or whatever is harmful to people. What you have just done is you have redeemed three people many times more. You have redeemed yourself because you're standing for a core value and virtue of the law of the universe, uh, which is that um, people and the environment, the world God created, the garden, is to be cared for, loved, and protected. You are redeeming the person, the perpetrator, because the perpetrator has lost such contact with his own light that it now is operating in an operating system out of its true nature of the laws of the universe. And by saying, no, you can't do it, you actually are helping that perpetrator become free. You're actually driving that person back into having to find uh, the light of the soul. And you, then you're redeeming yourself. And as then well. you redeem yourself from that. I'm yes. here with Deidre Hayde, and she's a mystic, and William Arndt's a physicist, and they are the co creators of the not so little book of surprises. And if you want to know more about their work, go to the website bookofsurprises.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Deirdre Haid and William Arntz. They're a husband and wife team, and um, they have put together, co-created a book, The Not-So-Little Book of Surprises. And as we're talking about these concepts, I'm also reminded of another quote from the book that I want to read. And um, this has a beautiful picture of two strawberries. They're just, they look so delicious in a very dark black background. And it says, in order to enter into freedom, you must have balance. It's not enough to have a mystical experience. It's not enough to just meditate. It's not. I wish it was. Meditation doesn't do anything for character. Character, the backbone, your spine, is your essence. Yet, you can have this strong character and be completely cut off from the fruit of the mystical. And so you suffer because you can't taste the sweetness because you do have the fruit, but you cannot taste its sweetness. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about tasting the sweetness of, yes. of uh, really taking mm-hmm. that in. It's more than just sitting and meditating and doing your hour meditation or, or whatever. And it's, as you say, being active in the world. Yes, absolutely. So what I mean by this is that... Um, I found people will tend to have one or the other. You will meet people who have all these incredible mystical experiences, but their lives are a mess. Or you meet people who they have their 401k, they have their house, everything's in order. And they're just, I just can't connect. I can't connect to the deepest level. So um, it's time to bring that back into balance for everyone. So uh, I'll start just very briefly. If you're a person and and you have that character down, you're just, you know, you're the rock solid uh, uh, person in your family, in your community. What I would say to you is um, take a moment, get a strawberry or a piece of fruit, sit down and meditate with that fruit and ask the spirit of that fruit, the angelic presence of that fruit, to fill you with its spiritual sweetness. And then eat that strawberry or a peach, something sweet, and taste it very slowly. And as you do this, just imagine you're inside of the most beautiful garden you've ever seen with the most beautiful flowers and your imagination will get kicked into place and your endorphins will go off and then the hormones will be released and you will begin to know the sweetness of the divine through a very physical, tangible experience. I promise it works. Then, if you are someone who has all these experiences, but you're not grounded, you lose your keys, you can't, you know, oh my gosh, where's my schedule? What I want to say to you is you carry a notebook with you, a little book all the time. And what you want to do is now at the very top, you're going to write down your one of your core values. 
And then I want you to start to keep a log of your day. Oh, okay, at 9 a.m., okay, I, I woke up and I brushed my teeth. Okay, now I had lunch. And then from this log, create a schedule for yourself that's very, very grounded. And why does this work? Because when you write something down, you are anchoring a, a thought. You are anchoring your mysticism into uh, concrete, and that's what you need to do. You need your your expand. You need to ground, and the the grounded person needs to expand. So these two exercises, you you do them for thirty days, and you will have a tremendous transformation inside of you. I promise. Oh, thank you so much. That's just beautifully said. You did so very mm. practical resources for us, no matter where we are. Uh, thank you Great. so much. And that just reminds me, um, I know that, that Deidre, especially you, uh, really tap into the invisible worlds as a mystic. And um, some people might call them archangels yes. or or. Ascended Masters, mm. or what, whatever name we give them. Can you say something about the Archangels? Yes, I would love to. And the Archangels are in all religions, all paths. Oh, they're in the indigenous paths. They just have different names. Uh, and these are the creator beings. These are forms of light. Um, Malachim from the Hebrew means a packet of light. They were the first energies created by the all that is, Wonka Tonka, the one, the Hashem, the first energy of light that was created before the physical world was created. Uh, these great energies of consciousness were created. And these energies of consciousness hold the virtues of what will become known as as the goodness of mankind. And these archangels, I'll give them, use them, this term for for now, they are overseers working with our world so that we all uh, are safe and we are have access to deep divine wisdom. And wisdom uh, is so important right now because wisdom is the key where your core value and virtue taps into knowledge which changes reality. Changes your reality. It changes the course of your personal history or world history. And the archangels are energies that are here to help you with this. You can speak to them, or just say, "Archangels, please come to me." Tap into their uh, to their energies. Um, if you're deeply spiritual, go into go that. But if you're not so spiritual, just understand that they are a consciousness of. Uh, of an intense uh, light, uh, of a consciousness of, of vision and clarity, Archangel Uriel, uh, Mikael, which is the protector and the carrier of prayer. Uh, Raphael is the uh, all the healer, which brings all healing. Gabriel, which brings communication and brings uh, oneness, between people. Um, so there are powerful um, energies that are ready. They're here to serve and want to be put to work because that's what angels do. <laughs> and, and we have to ask. 
Yeah, we have to ask. We have to ask. Yes. And I know that you have a beautiful, I kind of marked mm. it in in my book, because there's a beautiful prayer that I thought, I'm going mm. to write this prayer out and have it at my ready and really memorize it. Uh, you know, there's the, um, the Catholic prayer, Our, Our Lady prayer, yes. uh, or uh, uh, Mary prayer, mm. but this one I, I really loved, and um, it's, Help me, archangels, to be a better person. Bring me your clarity, your strength, your healing, and your wisdom. Guide my every action until my actions become your actions. I open myself to your guidance. I am eternally thankful for your care. I just thought that was such a beautiful prayer that's asking for help from that invisible realm. Uh, So is is there anything you want to add about that and how it can be helpful to us in these times? Why do we need to ask for help? Because when we were created in the image of God, God said, my children have to know the difference between good and evil and know how to choose good so that I can pass on my true godly powers of which they are the pure potential to. So I'm giving my children free will to make that choice. In order to do that, I'm going to have to step out of the picture. I'm the parent. My kids are going off to college. I now have to let go of them and pray that they uh, make it in the world. So I'm going to do that. But, you know, I'm going to send my kids to a college where they have, you know, psychology department and they have teachers and they have my helpers. So here my angels are. These are my helpers. But the caveat here is, God closed an energetic gateway between the unseen worlds and our world, which which is why we can't see the unseen world. That's a law of the universe. And God put inside of every person a whisper, a prayer that said, I am always here with you. However, you have to ask. I cannot interfere in your free will and your lessons. You must call the angels. You must ask for help. You must uh, ask for help from me. And when you do this, you open a door, you open a vortex for the angelic realms and for my presence to pour you with the light of clarity, healing, strength, uh, prophecy, intuition, uh, and many times miracle. Um, But you have to be the one to open the door because I have sent you off on a journey, on a quest to become the hero, the heroine, and the God being of your reality. I love you. <laughs> that's what God said. Go forth. So that's why we we have to ask. And they come. They always come. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. I, very encouraging. And I love you're talking about like miracles can can be available yes. at that point. That's right. I want to thank you both so much for being part of New Dimensions mm. today. Thank you. Oh, it's an been, honor. And it's been a lot of fun, too. Thank oh, you so much. Goody, I'm glad. I've thank been you. here with uh, physicist William Arntz and mystic Deidre Hayde, and they are together, uh, both husband and wife team, as they explore how science merges with mystic- mysticism 
and their um, book that they've co-created, The Not-So-Little Book of Surprises. To know more about their work, you can go to their website, bookofsurprises.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.